Exodus chapter 33 uh, is where we are. Um, there's been some uh, uh, some great uh, things that we've covered so far uh, going along in Exodus. Now we're getting to the point uh, and uh, point where uh, last week uh, we witnessed a great failure on Aaron's part, on hers part, and on the, the people uh, on, on their part. But Aaron and her were the ones that were in charge. They were really the ones that, that Moses said, don't break anything, I gotta go. You know, And they broke everything when, Mo when Moses came back, right? S so to speak. He didn't actually say that, but uh, essentially giving them uh, the, uh, the the keys to the kingdom, if you will, of, hey, just just you watch over everything. If anybody needs some help, let them come to you. Uh, but you guys are in charge while I'm with the Lord up on the mountain. And things go crazy, right? And uh, they, they come to Aaron and they want, a, uh, they want something to go in front of them. They want them to mold something. So uh, Moses gets everybody's earrings and puts together uh, this uh, clump and melts it down and then molds a golden calf. And uh, presents it to them and says, this is the Lord your God. And uh, they start playing the harlot and uh, they start celebrating. And uh, the verbiage in the scripture is a, a, a perverse celebration with uh, you know, they're they're actually committing um, uh, sexual uh, uh, sin as they're celebrating. And so uh, we saw thousands die as a result of what was happening there where the Levites came on Moses' side and uh, they took their swords and, and killed those who were leading people into idolatry. Um, uh, and then we see Aaron's life spared, right? Aaron's the one that was by peer pressure uh, uh, that, that he, he folded and, and ma made them a golden calf. But he also lied to Moses, right? He, he told Moses, I don't know. Do you know the people, how they are? And I threw this in and this, all the golden, and this thing came out, which is a lie. He molded it himself, it says. So uh, essentially, uh, you know, a big failure there. And uh, they, they understood uh, how bad things were once uh, people started dying. And so it was a very serious um, sin that had uh, taken place. And uh, so now uh, where we get to uh, verse 1 in 33, we're kind of picking up right after that. Then the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite, and the Hivite and the Jebusite uh, go up uh, to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord uh, had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in, uh, in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I uh, may know what to do with you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. So uh, this is a, a sad uh, portion of Scripture to read, right? But there's also something very amazing that the Lord starts uh, by saying in verse 1, 
And he says, uh, you know, in these very specific instructions given to Moses, he says, depart and go up from here to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, according to the promise, uh, to his promise to them, to your descendants, I will give it, right? He starts off by saying, you guys just failed big time, right? He could have just said, I'm wiping you guys all out. But what the Lord says here is depart from here, you, and I want you to start uh, heading to uh, where I, I want you to be. And and he, he uh, is so faithful, and uh, he, here he is honoring his promise, although they had just failed big time, right? Let that be an encouragement to us, okay? Not something that would give us a license to sin. Don't get me wrong there. But if we find ourselves in great condemnation, after committing a sin against the Lord and after uh, we get to a point where we're like, man, I knew this was going to happen and I still did. Why did I do this? Then we can go to our gracious father and say, Lord, I messed up. Can you and the Lord is going to to restore us. He's going to help us. He's going to minister to us. Right. Uh, that's that's what he's all about. Right. If we say we don't have sin then we make him out to be a liar, right? That's what First John tells us. So, so it, God, uh, we're just no longer, as we were just actually studying uh, uh, on Sunday, we're no longer under the power of sin in our lives. It's gone. The power, sin has no reign over uh, the the life of a Christian anymore. Uh, it, unfortunately, uh, we can come to 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 faith and start walking with the Lord and be like, where was that sin and death that that was you know so easily ensnaring me and uh, taking all the joy out of my life. I miss that, right? We'll do something stupid like that, right? And God will give us a spanking on the butt and pull us back in, right? Because he's a faithful and wonderful father. But here we see God saying, you know what? I, I, I'm, I still want you to go uh, where I've called you to go. And, and he says that not only that, but he's going to drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, Hittite, and all the ites uh, that that need to be uh, driven out, right? So, but we see God's faithfulness. We I, I find it hard to read verse one without thinking of God's faithfulness after this great sin that was just committed against him. And He's like, now you need to keep moving forward, right? That's an important thing for us to realize. If we do get to that point where we smack on our face, then we go to the Lord while we're on our face and say, God, I am a filthy sinner, not deserving of what you have for me, but uh, then we can just, you know, as we we saw when Jesus was explaining the tax collector and the Pharisee, right? The Pharisee would stand and be like, God, I thank you that I'm not like this person, right? That Pharisaical heart that can come into our hearts. Uh, but uh, when we're on our face, man, when we're weak, that's when we find strength, right? That's when we go to the Lord and say, I need your strength. So uh, the Lord is, is so faithful uh, to minister. So as, as we read that verse, just understand God is saying that right after a massive failure uh, in their lives. It says, I'll send my angel before you. I will drive out. That means that God's going to do all the work, right? Not only is he telling them to go, you know, pick yourself up. Okay, dust yourselves off. You know, don't act like you're going to celebrate. Put all, all, your, all your ornaments on and everything. No, 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 no. You need to take those things off. You don't have to adorn yourself looking great. Because you don't look great. You look filthy on the inside. But I'm going to do a work and I'm going to take care of things that are in front of you. You know, the Lord is preparing them to move forward. And what he's saying is, is as you move forward, you don't have to worry about all these people. My angel is going to go in front of you and, and take care of 
the the uh, these uh, peoples, these uh, groups of people that are going to have to be pushed out uh, for you to go into this land. Now, notice what it says um, in verse three: "Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey." You've committed this great sin. I mean, I want you to move forward. Not only do I want you to move forward, uh, so don't get stagnant. Don't go backwards. Keep moving forward, right? We can apply that to our lives. I want you to keep moving forward, and I'm going to take care of everything, and I'm also going to bless you, <laughs> right? Do, do we see you know, God's faithfulness, God's mercy, his grace, his blessings all put together right here, right? And God is just saying, I'm going to bring you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's flowing with everything you're going to need and you're really going to enjoy, right? Um, honey is uh, that sweetness, right? There's going to be uh, a, a great nourishment for you and there's going to be sweetness ahead for you is what the Lord had for them. Keep moving forward, walking forward uh, as he was calling them to and he was calling them uh, to that uh, that place of, of uh, you know, flowing um, milk and honey and uh, just what a blessing. But... Then comes with it, for I will not go up in your midst. So the angel's going to go take care of everything here, but he's got bad news for them. And he says, I will not go up in your midst lest I consume you on the way, for you are stiff-necked people. God's saying, I know your hearts. I know all those things. So you're going to experience, you're not going to experience that joyful blessing of my uh, visual presence. It's going to be a different way of experiencing me. Uh, from from here is what the Lord's saying, and that's bad news, you know. And and you'll see that their their hearts are broken over it. And you know that's a, that's uh, the worst news we can we can think of is that there's now a separation. There's something that has happened as a result of us uh, sinning and uh, offending the Lord. But that it is bad news. And it even says here in in uh, verse four. And when the people heard this bad news. They mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. So um, when the Lord says, I won't go up in your midst, lest I consume you, God is being gracious even there. He's saying, because I know that if I am right there, with, I'm going to, I'm going to, you guys are done. You're, you're out. I'm going to take care of everything in front of you. That's okay. But if you keep, if you offend me in my presence, that's, that's it. You know, consider uh, some of the things that have happened even uh, you know, when we look at Acts chapter five with Ananias and Sapphira, right? How they offended the Lord, thinking that they could trick him, right? They they came up with that 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 weird scheme of, hey, let's sell our land for this much, and then we'll act like we're giving everything. And and mo and uh, sorry, Peter's looking at him like, wasn't it your land? You didn't need to do any of this. What are you doing, lying to the Holy Spirit? And they were both in on it, and they cost both of them their lives. Right. The sincerity of heart is what God wants in us. Right. He doesn't want us to give him um, a, a a polluted offering. Right. He'd rather us just keep it. Right. God, where uh, it even says out, out uh, on, uh, over the box there, God loves a cheerful giver. Not so that people would be uh, you know, giving out of, a, you know, begrudgingly or anything. But in, in, in the the um, out of the abundance of the joy that's in our hearts, we say, I want to give back to the Lord uh, for you know, his ministry and whatever he wants to do uh, in this community, right? That's what God wants is uh, that we're giving to him from a full and cheerful heart, right? And that these guys had every opportunity to do so. I don't know if you saw the video, um, but there was a, a, a man uh, over in Turkey, I believe, that was addressing 
uh, that uh, some sort of Turkish government or whatever. And he was saying that Israel was going to face the wrath of Allah. And right after he said that, he dropped dead of a heart attack. I've seen the video. It's crazy. You know, I, I, I you know, it's unfortunate the man lost his life. But when you call out the God of Israel and uh, that's bad news, right? We know that he's he's to be feared. Uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't take him lightly. Uh, nobody should. And, and it, it, you know, uh, it costs that man his life. Uh, the, the, that's the assumption. You know, it, if not, that's quite a coincidence. Right. Um, I mean, he just said that. And, and I've seen another video that somebody sent me of a comedian uh, making fun of Jesus. And right as she did, boom, seizure, smacks her head and she's in a full seizure. As she, you know, th those things, you know, God will not be mocked. Uh, you know, consider those things of who he is. And, um, you know, God is is sparing them. He's saying, you're a stiff-necked people, and if I was right, right there with you, uh, then uh, the, the way that you've experienced me before, he would consume them. Uh, but they're going to have to settle for uh, the Lord leading them and taking care of everything in front of them now. So that's bad news. And verse 5 says, For the Lord said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, you are stiff-necked people. Uh, they knew that, right? They had heard it before, and they're getting reminded of that. Um, and if we understand that we can learn a great thing from reading that, let's not be stiff-necked. We can be. Uh, we can become a very stiff-necked towards the Lord and say, I'm not going to turn. I'm going to go do what I want to do and have the stubbornness of heart. My uh, encouragement to all of us here is if we have that heart, tell ourselves how stupid we are and, and remind ourselves of how well that's worked out for uh, you know, all those listed in the scriptures uh, that are dealing with stiff neck syndrome, right? Uh, it's not a, necessarily a good thing. Um, so and they're not going to experience the closeness of God's presence anymore is, is what's being said here. I could come up into your midst and in one moment consume you. He's, Look, for your rebellion, I could do this, but I'm not doing that, uh, the Lord is saying. And he says, now, therefore, uh, take off your garments uh, that I uh, may know what to do with you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their garments uh, by Mount Horeb, right? So what we see here is is bad news that, that came to them. But we also see God's mercy, his grace, and his faithfulness on display here. His mercy for not consuming them. God is not consuming them when they deserve to be uh, consumed. His grace is that his angel would go before them. You know, the Lord saying, hey, I'm not going to consume you in my mercy and by my grace, I'm, I'm still going to send my angel before you in his faithfulness. He's telling them to go up to the land of milk and honey that I swore to your fathers. Right. We see all three of those things pictured in what's happening right here. God's mercy, his grace and his faithfulness. And the people heard this bad news. They mourned and they didn't put on their ornaments. Right. There is a time. Uh, for mourning, you know, this isn't a time for celebration. You know, their acts led to consequences, and uh, and that happens unfortunately sometimes. So this is very bad news for them, and they didn't want to lose the presence of God in their lives. And uh, you know, when you consider the consequences produce, uh, uh, are really uh, to produce a change in them. You know, uh, important to understand as we're studying through Israel is we can look at ourselves. And really learn a lot from their conduct, right? Israel 
desires to uh, imitate uh, the pagan nations around them, and it always produced a negative result for them. Always, right? We, you know, we see it here uh, with the uh, the golden calf, uh, and and they wanted something to worship. God had already told them that's strictly forbidden, right? You're not supposed to form something and, and go and bow down to it. And uh, what we'll see later is they later demand a king. We want to be like all the other nations, right? And then they get stuck with Saul, and Saul loses his mind, right? And and he uh, misrepresents God and and uh, disobeys God uh, and is strict, stripped of his kingdom. It comes uh, much later, but he's, he's essentially stripped of the kingdom, and, and David, his son-in-law, um, was uh, to be king after him. You know, if you read Kings and Chronicles and start looking at those accounts, and you see all of these these times where they they would, uh, you know, they'd have a godly king, and that godly king would strip everything out, right? Hezekiah, Josiah, some of those guys, right? Uh, there weren't a lot of them, unfortunately, right? Uh, because sometimes the dad would do really good, and then here comes the son and mess everything up, uh, and 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 we'd see what would happen there, right? But then we'd see those great reforms that would happen in Josiah's kingdom and, and in Hezekiah's kingdom, and we'd see things made right, right? Uh, and then we'd see, and then this person did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they led, and he led them astray. And you see all these kings that came, and, and they failed so miserably uh, in, uh, in their positions. And they acted like pagans, and they were punished by God for doing so. And they ended up being subject to defeat, uh, and they were, uh, you know, they were... Uh, bugged by tyrants and everything. You know, the same can happen to us in our lives when we try to put something in the place of the Lord, and it's it's always going to produce a negative effect for us, right? Just like they did, it's going to do for us uh, in our lives. May we never do that. We weren't meant to worship anyone or anything other than God. That's it. That's That's who we're supposed to worship. So when we don't, life gets messy, and it gets, uh, things get stupid in our lives, and they fall apart. But we see here God in his great faithfulness and his love and His uh, that, that he is faithful to chasten us, uh, to correct us, right? That's what he's telling them. He's like, you guys deserve, uh, you deserve to die. And the Lord is, uh, is still, he's still correcting them, but he's sparing their life, right? Because they're not putting the ornaments on. There's nothing to celebrate. Don't bother putting on all, the, all this stuff. No, you need to you need to think about what you're doing, uh, and and realize that that you uh, are are called to be different, you know. Uh, and the Lord is so faithful to chasten us, right? Proverbs three verses eleven and uh, twelve say, "My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, just as a father the son in whom he delights. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens, right? So he doesn't let us get away with things." You know, for uh, you know, for me with my ch- I hated spanking my kids, absolutely hated it. It was the worst thing. I'm like, oh man, I've got to spank my kid and make them cry, and and but we'd always do it, and I'd always hold them there, and I'd I'd pray with them, and and then explain to them this is why, and uh, you know, I don't like doing this, but you know, uh, but we can't uh, conduct ourselves, we can't act these ways, and. And those things, and I, I sure hope I've got two of them here. Hopefully, they understand that it was in love. I, I will share um, that I, I realized um, that Natalie no longer needed to be spanked um, when she laughed. <laughs> but she laughed, and she wasn't laughing, mocking me. She's like, she's like, 
I felt my butt jiggle when you, you know, and I was like, hey. <laughs> she's sitting there with her hand on her head. She's, she's funny. But you learn, you're right. So I've totally embarrassed my daughter. But she's right here and she knows it. But she, she, you know, that at that point, I went and I told my wife, I'm like, we're done spanking her. She's our youngest, right? But she was just a young kid. I mean, I don't know, four, five years old, you know? Uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and when she said that, I lost it, you know? It's a, that's a funny thing, you know? And, and, and I'm laughing. She's laughing, you know? Well, okay. So, you know, it, it was, uh, but it, there's a chastening that, that's, that's appropriate in our lives. It's a chastening that we need to do. You know, we need to hold, hold uh, especially the children in the church. Uh, don't spank other people's children, okay? Right? Don't do that at all, right? The chastening happens. <laughs> Shane's all bummed out, right? We're not supposed to do that, right? We don't chase each other's children or anything. But we can keep them in line and say, hey, I know your mom or dad told you to stop doing that and you're not doing it, right? And I've seen and I've heard that, you know, that's that's uh, being a, a good brother or sister, right? When when we bring children up here, we don't baptize them. We talked about this on Sunday morning. Um, baptism comes when someone comes to the point uh, that they understand they're a sinner. They need uh, a, a savior. They accept Jesus Christ as their savior. And then baptism is uh, the outward expression of what has happened in our lives, that the old person uh, is dead and buried, and then the new creation in Christ is now living, right? Um, be, we're, we're walking dead people, as we talked about on uh, Sunday morning, that we live our lives to Christ now, right? Uh, but we don't baptize babies because they don't understand what sin is. I mean, they just they want to eat, and they want clean diapers, and they want to be burped, and they want to sleep. That's pretty much it. And uh, so, uh, But we do dedicate them here, and it's really the church dedicating ourselves to the family and to these children to help them understand what it is to walk with God and, and uh, to be obedient to their parents, you know, those types of things. So um, that chastening uh, is, is so important. So we see God's, uh, his mercy, his grace, and his faithfulness all through these first six verses. So uh, now there's a shifting of gears here of Moses meeting with the Lord. And this is an incredible thing to just to think about of, of, We've, we already know that he spent time with God on Mount Sinai, right? So we understand those things. But now uh, we see that even since he's come down, that the Lord uh, has a special place for him. It's unfortunately a way away from the camp uh, because of the way they've conducted themselves. That they and, and God had called him to be away, and they couldn't even touch the mountain before. But uh, let's see what we're studying here. Verse 7 says, Moses took his tent and pitched, uh, pitched it outside the camp far from the camp and called it uh, the tabernacle of meeting. So this is not the tabernacle that we had, uh, we've uh, studied at length already, right? The, uh, the end chapters of the, uh, the, the later twenties uh, chapters of Exodus, right? Uh, so that's not it at all. This is kind of until the tabernacle comes because we're going to actually uh, read through and study through the tabernacle being, uh, built, but we all we've uh, really studied was God giving the instructions to Moses regarding what he was supposed to build. But Moses is using this right now, using his tent um, uh, to dedicate it as a place to meet with the Lord. So just understand that's not when you see the tabernacle. That's not the one that we had the pictures up there and, and we were looking at and studying and all those things. And it came to pass, continuing in verse seven, that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to uh, the tabernacle that 
all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of of cloud descended and uh, stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked to Moses and uh, all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worship, worshiped uh, each man in his tent door. So uh, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would have, uh, and he would return to the camp uh, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So uh, consider what's happening here. Uh, you know, Israel uh, is has uh, be, been told that uh, they're uh, not going to experience the presence of the Lord as they did before. But then they can actually watch Moses in an interaction with the Lord where they would stand up and they would wait until Moses was going to the tent and they would wait till he went in there before they would go. But they'd all stand at the outside of there. This is that's it's quite a thing to think of, right? That these people, the reverence for God and the reverence for Moses and what was happening, that he was going to meet with God on their behalf. So they would stand uh, and they would watch him uh, from the, the door of their own tents. And they'd watch him till he went into the tabernacle. And, and then they'd watch the pillar of cloud descend. Uh, and and it would stand uh, at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord would talk to Moses. So th they got to witness some amazing things still. Deuteronomy uh, 34, verse 10 says, But since there has uh, not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. We get a glimpse of the relationship, that uh, into it, a deeper glimpse into it, right? We already understand that Moses was uh, able to be in the presence of the Lord already on Sinai. But it, it continues here, even in this makeshift tabernacle uh, that he has, his own tent, right, that the Lord would meet with him in his own home. Uh, let us take that with us, that the Lord will meet with us in our own home, that we can go and we can and we can hear the word of the Lord, right, open the Bible up and sit and experience the, the presence of the Lord uh, as we're uh, reading, you know, that the Lord gives us more of himself as we're right. We just sang that, right? I want more of you and less of me. That's a result of us submitting our, our will to the will of the Father and the Holy Spirit having his way in our lives and us submitting to God uh, and us being in the word and being in fellowship, practicing out our faith and doing what we should do. We're going to grow uh, more and more uh, in our in our walk with the Lord. And the Lord knows us and we can meet with him personally. We can have that same personal meeting. So, you know, Moses had a, a special relationship with God. Consider what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 14 through 16. He said, you, he was talking to the disciples. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know his mas what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give you. That friendship we can have with Jesus, that we can go and we can... We can actually have a personal relationship with the, the God of the universe, 
right? Consider that. Like if you think of, of other, the, the man-made religions, right? They're all designed to how can man reach God? But when we look at Christianity, we understand that God reached down to us, right? And so much so that he saved us and he sets us apart and we can have a personal relationship with him, right? We've talked about the veil of the temple that was torn into that God may have, uh, that, sorry, that man may have access to God, right? Any of man and woman, right? Of course. Uh, but we we may have that, that precious access to the Father. There's that, that uh, Jesus himself being uh, the only mediator between God and man, that when we have that relationship with, with the Son, we have the relationship with the Father, right? That friendship. Jesus is talking to his disciples saying, I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't call you servants. I call you my friends because I've given you all the information that I was supposed to give you and I've trained you up. You're my friends. Think about that. That's, that's a, a powerful relationship to have with the God of the universe. This close and intimate relationship with God that uh, God desires for all of us. You know, God, uh, what we see here is God wouldn't dwell uh, with the rebellious uh, people, but he would dwell with Moses because Moses was after God's heart. He was one of those that, that, uh, that God would meet with face to face. He had a special relationship uh, with God and he would uh, meet with God. And it, as it says, face to face, as a man uh, speaks to his friends. So uh, consider this type of relationship. Second uh, Corinthians six uh, verses 14 uh, through 18. Uh, this, uh, this calling to a, uh, a, a deep relationship with Lord, with the Lord and, and what it means uh, that, that uh, when you consider the rebellious people, and their relationship with God versus Moses and seeking God, his relationship with God. Okay, just consider that as we're, as I'm reading this or you're reading it up there. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, right? Their lawlessness created an issue with them with God because of their sin, right? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or uh, what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and I and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I love that it says sons and daughters there, right? Ladies, understand how precious you are because think of all the, the religious systems that just, and people, I've heard people say this about Christianity that's so oppressive against women. It is absolutely not. Women have the, the rights that they have, especially in this nation founded upon biblical principles because of what the Bible says, Right? When you, when you consider all of these things that God made them male and female, right? But just the blessing that the Lord says, they will be my sons and daughters. So precious, so precious to the Lord that, that, uh, that God is calling those who believe in him and are going to follow him uh, to a different, uh, a different way of, of living, right? You know, what agreement has uh, the temple of God with idols? 
they, they couldn't bring those things in. These things, so there's that we're, we're seeing the contrasts uh, that were uh, presented in here. But God says uh, in verse 16, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will dwell in them and walk among them. Consider that. You know, meditate on that this evening when you're laying in bed at night going, I will dwell in them. God, that's that's a promise from God saying, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. And and when it says, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That wonderful fellowship with the Lord as we abide in him. Moses understood it. He wanted to just be in the presence of the Lord and he was granted that great access. So the people would stand out and they'd watch and uh, get to be able to see that amazing thing. And also bow down and worship God at the sight of his presence, right? When the pillar of cloud would, would uh, come there, they would bow down at the sight of his presence. And what a wonderful thing, you know, worship at the, their tent door. You know, consider, um, you know, they knew their sin and they knew that the Lord had spared them. But now they're at the, the entrance of their home. Consider how... how um, how special the entrance of our home is. And I mean like the main entrance to our house, right? We've talked about this. Nobody in Maine actually uses their front door, right? We always use the side door. There's something about it. There's the front door that faces the road and everybody goes to the side door. For some reason, that's just how it is. It's how it is in my house, right? I pull into the garage and we go up that door. I almost never come in, go in my own front door. But but that front door is, is where when people come, that's where we greet them. Right. Somebody starts coming through the slide door or even trying through the window, then that's a whole different greeting for somebody. Right. That we've understood that we've talked about that. Right. You know, Second Amendment type greeting. Right. So. Um, no. So just consider that. I'm sorry, I'll get back to the study here, but they would they would stand at the front door of of their tents. You know, that's a that's a powerful symbol because what is, that front door represents, you know, everything that's on the other side of the door, right? When you see that door, you know, you understand that's where the family resides. That's, that's where uh, everybody is, you know, consider, uh, I think it's Joshua 24, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? It, it's that type of a, a statement, you know, consider the door step, right? Uh, uh, when uh, the children of Israel, uh, for the Passover, right? They uh, would take the blood of uh, the lamb and put it on the, the doorpost and the lintel of, of the, their house, right? In front of their house, that that special thing uh, that's that's there in, in the front of the house. So there's something special about the, uh, the entrance to our home. Uh, we would defend it uh, to the death, hopefully, um, right? I, I think any of us uh, would. Um, but it's also uh, where we would open it to loved ones, visitors, uh, those types of things. We, um, you know, let's uh, use our uh, homes to bless and serve the Lord, right? But so uh, when we consider what's uh, what's said here in verse 11, it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend, and he would, um, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart uh, from the tabernacle. So Joshua stays there. He still has a very special calling on his life. And uh, uh, very, as we learn in reading the scripture, very 
mighty warrior and a great military leader. Um, and uh, Joshua will uh, assume command of leading the children of Israel when Moses dies, and he'll lead them into the promised land. So Joshua is uh, being trained uh, in just witnessing all of this 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 stuff here and, and in that special time uh, with uh, Moses himself. You know, consider though, if you look at Joshua chapter one, there are a lot of uh, encouragements from God for him to be strong and of good courage, right? Uh, he's a, a very uh, mighty and valiant warrior, uh, a man that was known for his courage and everything. But when it, you know, it really came down to him stepping into that role, uh, he was very intimidated. We can assume that because God tells him a bunch of times, only be strong and of good courage. Only be, of, be strong and of, excuse me, good courage, because sometimes we need the reminders that, that the Lord is with us and we don't have to be afraid uh, with him with us, that he's going to take care of things. But, um, you know, consider uh, what what uh, Josh, uh, sorry, Joshua has in front of him and God just re, uh, reassuring him. Uh, you know, Joshua experienced the encouragement uh, from God that was needed. Understand that when we get there, we'll actually study it a lot more. But God gives us the encouragement we need to just move forward. So Joshua's kind of seeing all these things happening, and he's got a, a role in what's happening, that he remained in the tent when Moses would leave and those things. And uh, what a wonderful assignment, you know. Joshua uh, was used, and, and we saw, um, and, and we're going to see even more, uh, you've probably seen in your own studies also, that uh, you know when they come to the point where they're spying out uh, the promised land, spoiler alert, uh, you know, they, they sent out 12 spies and uh, Moses did. And, and only Caleb and Joshua come back and say, no, the Lord can deliver us. And everybody else is like, we're like grasshoppers, you know, to them and all these things. And God blesses Caleb and Joshua so much. So they're the only ones that survive uh, to carry in uh, that whole rebellious uh, uh, generation because they're all saying that God can't do it. Right. And and uh, they all had to go march around for 40 years. And uh, so he's a special man used in a special way um, uh, in Israel. We'll get into more of him later. But verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, uh, see, uh, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet uh, you have said, I know you by name and you have also found grace in my sight. So uh, Moses is at a point here uh, of, of it's, a, it's a, uh, something that's troubling him, that Moses is saying, I don't know what lies ahead of me, Lord. Why won't you just tell me? Right? And that's, that's what he's saying to the Lord. I mean, this is a man that's in the presence of the Lord, and he has this uh, unprecedented, uh, uh, you know, for anybody else, this, this wonderful access uh, to the Lord. And, uh, and the Lord tells, uh, and, and Moses even says it back to the Lord. He says that you said that you know me by name, and uh, but uh, that I've also found grace in your sight. Guys, that's all we need to hear from God, <laughs> right? Like, I know you, and you found grace in my eyes. If you're looking for like that, that, that peace, that, um, um, that tranquil you guys ever looked at one of those uh you ever looked at at a body of water like a lake and it's just completely placid 
and you can see reflections on it perfectly. Uh, maybe even, uh, you know, uh, in the spring as the flowers are all budding uh, or, uh, you know, middle of summer, whatever it is, fall, when you can see all the, that to me is one of the most peaceful things on earth that I can experience just in like what I see out here, right? That type of, 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 of a blessing to have something of a gr even greater magnitude happening within our mind and our heart, knowing that, that God knows our, our name and that we found grace in his eyes. Even that peaceful setting and how at peace I can be just out in a kayak, a kayak when everything's at that doesn't compare at all to the peace of knowing that God knows my name and that I've experienced uh, his grace in my life, that it is his uh, found grace in God's sight. Right. That's if, if we need that, because that's what Moses wants. He, there's this this thing that he's anxious about. He's like, but you won't tell me who's going to be with me because you don't need to know Moses. Right? Just God is going to reveal what he needs to as you go. Should be all that we need. You know, God, just trusting that Lord, the Lord is going to take care of us. Right. Romans 8, 28 works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So. He knows our innermost being, and uh, we can still find grace in his sight. That's uh, that's something for us to ponder also, right? There's the grace to bless us when we don't deserve, us, deserve it, and grace to forgive us our sins when we confess them to him as believers in Christ. You know, uh, just to know that he knows our name and that we can go to him for anything. So Moses being able to say that's a powerful thing for him and for us. So God hadn't revealed his plan to Moses the way he wanted to and, uh, you know, regarding who, who's going to go with him and stuff and uh, because he didn't need to know yet. Uh, so God doesn't need to reveal or explain anything to us. He just calls us to be obedient to him and follow. Him. So uh, we can take that as an encouragement. We may not understand what he's going to do tomorrow or, or whatever that we're not supposed to. You know, sufficient for the today are uh, the what is it? sufficient for today is its own thing, its own yeah, worries, right? You guys know what I'm trying to say, right? Sufficient for today is zone troubles, I think it says. Um, but just let's worry about today, not worry about tomorrow, and, and God's going to take care of everything else. But this is like a big thing for Moses. And uh, he's he's saying, uh, you know, but you haven't told me. Um, and he goes on to say, for how then? Uh, did, I, did, I, did I already read all through that? Uh, verses uh, 15 through 17. Did I just stop at 15? Oh, wow. I'm way ahead of myself. Okay, so I did 13 and 14, right? All right, so uh, found grace in this. Okay, now I know where I'm at. Sorry, guys. Thank you for the reminder. So uh, so no greater assurance uh, than promise from God uh, that his presence will be with us, right? You found grace um, in, uh, in his sight. No, 12. We're at 12, aren't we? So uh, that should be all that we need. And uh, just understand that we just need to walk with the, with the Lord. You know, we're called to follow him by faith and, and not by sight. Verse 13. Now, now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So there's no greater assurance then the promise from God that his presence will be with us. God is speaking to Moses and he's like, Moses, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. And he says, my presence will go with you 
and I will give you rest. You can rest just knowing uh, that my presence will go with you, you know, and um, th that that wonderful rest that we can have in the Lord. So Moses is, is like, if I found grace, uh, you know, show, show me your way that I may uh, know you and find grace. You know, what a noble request, right? I mean, this isn't this isn't Moses being like, hey, you're going to make me rich. You're going to make me powerful or anything. He's just like, I want to know you. Will you reveal your way to me? You guys know that song, uh, Show Me Your Glory by Third Day? If you don't have the Third Day Offerings 1 album, uh, number two is really good. Offerings 1 was the first uh, Christian album I bought. Second, actually, Audio Adrenaline. Uh, it's got some kid flexing on it. And I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. You know, I can't remember which one that was. Uh, was. Um, but the first uh, worship album I ever bought, uh, my friend um, Slim over in uh, Italy, we were on a um, we were on a trip to uh, Croatia to a Bosnian refugee camp. And uh, and he's like, you guys got to hear this. And uh, and he starts playing uh, the album for me. And I'm like, oh, I hear uh, King of Glory, first song on that album. That album today to, to this day is one of my favorite albums. But they have a song in there, Show Me Your Glory. And uh, you want to just have a special moment of worship to the Lord, put that song on. And if you are uh, in any state that, that uh, um, you uh, are ready to worship the Lord, you're going to find yourself uh, li lifting your hands and just belting out this song. Show me your glory. Send down your presence. I want to see your face. It came, came from, no doubt, from what, we, what we're reading here. He says, if I found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may uh, find grace in your sight and consider this nation your people uh, and the Lord says, my presence shall go with you and I uh, will give you rest. You know, and he, he continues on uh, with it, with his uh, this this conversation uh, that's that's going to happen uh, here as we're reading here. But uh, he's just asking, I want to know you and I, I want to know your way. Lord. Verse 15. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Moses saying, if you're not with us. Please don't bring us. I, I, we don't want to go anywhere as a nation. We don't want to go anywhere uh, without you. And uh, that would be the cry of this church. Uh, Lord, we don't want to have a service without you. We don't want to have a meeting here. We don't want to have a Bible study here if you're not here with us. Right? You know, consider what the Lord's doing here. The, the two services on Sunday. Uh, we've got the men's study Tuesday night. We've got tonight's study, Wednesday night study. We've got Wave Escape Addiction uh, studies on, on Thursday night. We've got the women's studies, uh, you know, twice a month on Saturday. The Lord is doing something in our lives in this church. And I wouldn't want to be at any one meeting without him here. Right. We, we know, uh, that, that quote, and I can't, I now I'm forgetting who it was that said it. Uh, but he was saying, you know, essentially, uh, if the Holy spirit were to leave, uh, were to leave that, you know, 95% of the church wouldn't even know that the Holy spirit wasn't even present. Right. We don't want to do that. We don't we don't want to exist in that. Uh, we want every single thing. That's why I start every time we're getting into the word, the Holy Spirit to be uh, leading our Bible study. Uh, I don't want to be the leader. Of, uh, yes, I'm physically here and I'm you know leader of the church, so I have to. But I want the Holy Spirit speaking to me and through me. Uh, and yeah, I don't want you to just hear you know what I've got to say. And you guys don't want to hear what I want to say. We want to hear what God has to say. Right. We want to know God and know his way. And we don't want to go anywhere without his presence. Verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people, that, that your people, and I found grace in your sight, except you go with us. 
So he's worried, you know, what's everybody going to think and how's everybody going to know unless you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, uh, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing as you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. You know, that uh, that wonderful, uh, you know, here Moses is, and look at look at what he's asking for. You know, just just think of what he's all these things. He wants to know the Lord more. He wants he wants to, you know, how are you going to work in these things? This is a good leader. This is somebody who's spending time with the Lord in prayer saying, how do I lead? Like, what, God, will you please be with us? He's absolutely frightened at the thought of God not being with him. Right. And that's the way we should be. Right. If we ever get comfortable uh, in, in, uh, in our sin, we're in a very bad place. That's a very bad place to be, right? We studied that on Sunday. We were talking about, you know, um, I got to remember the exact wording, but it was essentially we walked without the Lord and we were fine with it is what, what was being said by Paul, you know, because we weren't walking with a lie, had no regard for it, that type of thing. And I'm, I'm forgetting the words here, but essentially what it, that, that comfort zone of, well, you know what, I'm, I'm numb. Spiritually, that's a very bad place to be. Those are the times that are like, Lord, <laughs> that's when you dive to his feet and say, please save me, help me, revive me, make me new. <clears throat> they, it, essentially, what Moses was, uh, was praying for is the presence of the Lord to be the sign that they had found the grace of God. Uh, and uh, they'd find uh, grace in his sight. And he says, we shall be separate, your people, not Moses' people, right? He said, your people and I. Um, so Moses was called to lead them, but they were God's people, you know, separate from all the people called to be different, called to be uh, separate, just as we already read in Second Corinthians uh, verse six, where it, it says, uh, therefore, uh, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Uh, it's uh, the same mindset that's being said there. So now this is uh, very interesting. The Lord heard what Moses said and grants his request. God is merciful and faithful more than we know. You know, God says to him here, I will also do this thing that you've spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. For you have, right? You have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses, I'm listening to you. I know you, I hear you, and I'm, I'm granting you your requests. Because the requests were God's presence to be with him as he's leading, right? For you have found grace in my sight. Right. Because Moses saying, if I've found grace in your sight, then da, 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 da. And God says, well, you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. And Moses has that great uh, close relationship with the Lord. And because of uh, his goodness and uh, what Christ has done for us, we can have uh, this access to the father. Right. As Romans five tells us. Uh, verse 18. And he said, please show me your glory. What a wonderful thing to ask of God. Show me your glory. You know, God, I, I just, uh, as we're, you know, since you're listening, <laughs> you know, God, will you please show me your glory? And look at God's response in verse 19. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So God is promising to him his goodness to pass before Moses. God informed Moses that he will be gracious to whom he'll be gracious and he'll have compassion on whom he wills also. You know, so that that request, the Lord says, 
you know, I'm going to be, yes. Uh, he says, um, he says, I will make my goodness pass before you. Now proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And then he just explains to Moses that, you know, he's going to be gracious who, where he, and when he wants to be and to whom he wants to be and also have compassion in the same way. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be when my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Whew, that's powerful. Moses is just, may I see your glory. Can I, can I see your glory? And God says, just understand my grace. I'm going to give my grace and my compassion uh, to whom I, uh, my goodness is going to pass before you, but you can't see my face, Moses. You can't see my face and live. It's going to cost you your life if you see. You're a sinner, Moses. <laughs> you can't see the face of God. Not yet. Right? That will come you know, later for him when he goes to God's presence. And the Lord uh, said, here is a place by me, uh, for you shall stand on the rock. And so it be that God you know, put him in the cleft of the rock and cover his eyes. Oh, wow. That's another thing to meditate on. You know, that the Lord, when it wasn't like, no, kid, get out of here. You're asking too many questions. No, God desires that deep, intimate uh, interaction with him, that deep, intimate relationship with him, that He that when we're praying for more of him, Lord, let me see more of you. Let me know you better. Let me know you more. He reveals himself to us. He's And, and in his mercy, he'll cover what he needs to so that, that uh, uh, you know, it doesn't cost us, right? So God informed Moses that he'll see his glory pass by. But, uh, you know, Moses... Uh, you know, consider they were great friends and uh, they spent a lot of uh, very personal time, but he still couldn't see uh, God's face. We will someday, you know, up there with him, but uh, not right now. We can still experience his, his, the presence and his presence and his grace, though. And those are two wonderful things that we can have uh, and experience in our lives. And to have asked Corey to remind me as we were getting set up for this evening the Lord just threw something into my mind. I looked at him and I said, the presence of the Lord is a difference in everything. And he's like, he just kind of looks at me. I'm like, I just need you to remember that because I'm going to forget it in 10 seconds. And I did, you know, and the Lord reminded him and he told me the presence of the Lord is the difference for everything in our lives. Right. Consider, you know, the big stuff, the, the small stuff, the day to day stuff, the ministry. It's the presence of the Lord in our lives that makes the difference for everything. Right. Because. Israel, look what happened, right? When, when they're down there and they're on their own and their rebellious hearts are leading them and, and Aaron's not being the leader he should be and keeping them uh, going in the right direction, their rebellious hearts led them right into idolatry, right? But the presence of the Lord, being in the presence of the Lord is, is where we're going to find victory. It's where we're going to find our strength. Like I said, for the big things, for the little things in life, the day-to-day -day things in life. And may we never do ministry without the presence of the Lord with us, right? Nobody needs to see the best of what I have to offer because it's absolutely nothing, right? But when the Lord is in us and with us, as we read today, in his presence, oh, that's, that's where we find victory in our lives. That's where we find strength to walk with him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, you are so good. 
we want more of your presence every single day in our lives. Show us your glory, Lord. Ah, Lord, we rejoice at the fact that you would be in us and you would walk with us. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Please do so. Lord, we don't want to take a step without you. I don't want to breathe a breath without you. Oh, such wonderful things for us to meditate on. Your mercy, your grace, and your faithfulness displayed all the way through this chapter. You're so loving, so caring, so faithful. We praise you for all these things. Pray that we'll meditate on these things and grow in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.